This week on the podcast, we're going to find out a doubting Thomas got a bad rap, and we're going to take a look at the book of Job and find out if it really means what we think it means. Welcome to the 167. Welcome back. To, oh, yeah. Ready? Hey, welcome back to the 167. I'm here with Pastor Rick George. Hey, good to be here. And Pastor Jake Reeves. A wonderful thing to be here. I'm Pastor Lucas Motley, and we are here talking about the Sunday morning experience that we just had this weekend. Yeah. Talking about Doubting Thomas. Yep. A lot of fun. I enjoyed it. It was a great message. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I was challenged by it. Um, I want to dive right in here because... Um, a lot of people kind of know who Doubting Thomas is. It's kind of a trope in Christianity. It's um, Thomas is the person that when Jesus came back from the dead, they told him about it. He said, no, 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 no. I want to put my fingers in the nail holes in his hands. I want to right. touch his wound in his side. And so he got the moniker Doubting Thomas. Yeah, kind of a bad rap. Um, and most people have no idea who Thomas was prior to that. They just know that, you know, he questioned the resurrection. He questioned the report, and they just kind of go with that, and he becomes Doubting Thomas. And I had a number of people come to me afterwards, after the the message, to say, I had no idea of Thomas's bravery. I had no idea that Thomas stood up, that Thomas, I'd never seen that in John chapter 11. And I think part of that is just because that label slapped on him, Doubting Thomas, sticks in our mind, and that's how we know him. It's catchy. Uh, yeah. And he was not just a doubter. He was a passionate follower of Jesus, willing to die, willing to do whatever uh, Jesus needed him to do, uh, even if it meant you know, harm to himself or death. So, Jake, I'm going to ask you, you're kind of a faith-filled dude. Like, I, I don't know. <laughs> hey, I'll take, like, hey, I'll take that. Uh, yeah. Can we make that my moniker? You're less no. cynical than I am. I'll say oh, it that way. Oh, wow. I've never been told that, but I'm I'm yeah. okay with it. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. So <laughs> let me ask you, do you really, like when you were hearing this message and you were thinking about Thomas as, you know, brave Thomas versus mm-hmm. dying Thomas, do you really think that the request that Thomas made, like when pe- people came back and they're like, Jesus, you know, we saw him on the on the cross. We, we stuck him in a tomb, but he's back. Like, do you really think that that's such an unreasonable request to be like, listen, guys, I'm not sure if I'm on board with this. Jesus <laughs> teleported into a room and appeared and was like, you know, peace yeah. be with, like, um, like what would what would your response have been probably in that moment? Do you would you have been like, yeah, I'm with, I'm with Thomas, or you'd be like, no, 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 I just I absolutely believe you 100 percent the first time oh, you dude, told it, me. It's so like, I mean, I think the 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 cynical realist in me is like, eh, probably would have been with Thomas, you know, um, just. You know, we, we sit back with the benefit of hindsight as we read scripture and we, we see um, the disciples all throughout Jesus' ministry kind of not being the best pupils ever. You know, it's like, hey, this is what the kingdom of heaven's like, huh? You know, and... Um, Which is very encouraging for all of us, by is, the way. Right. It so, is. I mean, maybe as pastors, we need reminded, you know, when we preach something and we're like, 
hey, you know, you, you should be doing this with your life. And then two weeks later, uh, p- people come in. We should be like, oh, yeah, you know, this is from day one. Um, so, I, I mean, for me, like, I would love to, um, having seen the the whole of Jesus's ministry and everything, be like, no, this, this is what Jesus was laying out. This is what the Old Testament was pointing towards. Um, of course, as as my friends came to me and told me um, this you know, this miraculous thing happened. I'd be like, yeah, but, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm way too, way too cynical. I mean, on that front, because it's the, I don't, I don't trust the news. <laughs> I don't, yeah, like, I don't, exactly. I, I literally, it, it doesn't matter, you know, what source it is coming from. I am so skeptical. Um, so that's why when you said, Hey, you're not a cynical guy. I'm like, Am I? Like, what source did you hear that from? But your question is, was it an unreasonable request? Uh, Was it out of line? I'm thinking, well, what else would he have asked? Like, what else? Like, like I just, he could have said. What shirt was he wearing? Yeah, I want to see him myself. Mm -hmm. Like, I just want to, like, can you get him again? That seems reasonable. But it doesn't seem unreasonable to say, are you sure it was Jesus? Because I want to be able to. Like that's proof. I want to be able to prove that it was Jesus and not something else. And again, all these reports that were coming out, someone stole the body, that he really didn't die, that all these things going around, I don't know that it was that unreasonable for Thomas to say, okay, if it really was Jesus, then he's still going to have those wounds because I saw it and that'll be the proof that I need. Well, maybe it was a lookalike. Maybe he had the same haircut, the same beard, but it's like, you're not going to fake. Right. You can't. Can't do that. So I mean, I, you could, but that's going to hurt like the dick. Like, yeah, like Jake said, looking back, it's easy to say, well, that was ridiculous. Like, why would you say that? But in the moment, it's like, well, there's only one way to prove it. He's going to have these wounds, and if I can do it, then I'm on board. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, like, what do you think that, because, I mean, like, okay, if we're saying, yeah, it's not that unreasonable. So even today, I mean, like, like you said, if I see something, somebody will send me something on YouTube. They're like, look, this guy was raised from the dead. This woman got her eyesight back and it's a YouTube, I call it a YouTube miracle. You know, somebody's out there doing, it looks like street magic from, uh, who's the the street musician that goes out there and he's just Uh, like, David Blaine, David Blaine. It looks like, you know, like miraculous David Blaine where somebody slaps somebody in the forehead and all of a sudden it looks like that. And it's like, you know, you're going, "I, I don't believe this. Like, and then immediately you start Googling you know, the description of the YouTube thing, debunk it, you know, and it's like, so what kind of balance should we hold in our life between faith and evidence? (sighs) Wow. And we're supposed to cover that here in just a couple of minutes. You have 30 seconds. Oh man. So that is the challenge of life. I mean, that is the, the challenge of the, the walk with Christ is to not just see the physical, but to see the physical and beyond the physical. Um, that's the challenge. And I don't know where that balance is because there are things that happen that you know absolutely like that was fabricated. Like that is no, it's just not good. Then there are other things that on the surface, it looks fabricated, it looks made up, it looks like, no, that can't happen. But then later you're like, no, that was real. Like that, it was miraculous. So what's the balance? I don't know if there is a balance. It is more of that relationship with God that just the Holy Spirit transforming us where we start to see more um, accurately what's happening in the spirit realm 
And it's a long journey mm-hmm. of transformation to get past all of your guys' cynicism where you become more faith-filled like Thank me. You for pointing at us. I was like, <laughs> no, because I'm just... <laughs> well, that's, a, that's a great point, though. So, like, let me ask it to you this way, Jake. So, yeah. you, somebody at church comes up to you and they say, hey, man, this week, this happened to me. It was a miracle. At what point are you in? Like, or, or you see a YouTube miracle and you're like, at what point are yeah. you like, no, I, I'm, you know, and I, I think, um, I, I, this is a challenge not to completely echo pastor Rick on this, but, um, I, I think there's something about a, approaching it about, um, like if I don't know the person at all, I want to come with, uh, not best intentions, but I, I want to assume the best. I want to assume that they're being honest and I'm like, wow, you know? Um, and so if I have no context, then absolutely. And I think that's one of the things where now if I know the person and I have a relationship and they've kind of been, you know, just as a person and character, you know, who knows, like at one point they claim they played for the Pittsburgh Steelers and they're, you know, five foot two and a hundred, right. you know, <laughs> 55 pounds or something, you know, you, you kind of encounter those people. Then it's tougher because that's when the cynicism kicks in and it's like, mm, did you? Um, right. And the more experiences you have on a physical and a spiritual level with people, like then you start to filter life through those and, experiences. And it's not always a good thing, but it's a natural thing. And so you hear from someone who in the past it's been fabricated or you know it's you're kind of stretching it it makes it more difficult to just jump on board it doesn't negate that it could have been a miracle but you become a little bit more like thomas and you say i got to see it like and i need a photo of you in the jersey yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, so it's yeah. not every time but i you know a lot of times too that's where you can lean on the holy spirit to kind of give you that you know you kind of quiet yourself and you're like Hey, should I should I feed into this? Should I just be give a nod? Um, you know, like and and a lot of times the Holy Spirit will give you confirmation because he's like, yeah, right. that's totally me or like, yeah. hey now. Hey now. Well, and that's and, to me that is a big a big um kind of line where it's like, what does this actually cost me? Mm-hmm. So if somebody comes in and they say, "Man, the Lord spoke to me and told me this." And I'm like, well, hallelujah, you know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. praise God. Like, that's great. And especially if it's like, it's moving them in a positive direction. And I'm like, like it fan- clearly lines up with scripture mm-hmm. yeah, and you're yeah. like, yes, fantastic. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know if that was, you know, bad Taco Bell or if the Holy Spirit spoke to you, yeah. but whatever you're moving in a positive direction, that's great. But if it's like, you know, I believe this thing. And like I said, it's either counter to scripture or it's something that is, is going to cost me something. They're like, I want you now to spread the word of this. I'm going mm. Mm. like now I'm, like I said, I need a little more evidence. Right. What Thomas is like, we're, we're asking you now to risk your life again to serve yeah. Jesus. And it's like, uh, I don't right. know. Low, low key stakes here. Someone comes to me and says, Hey, the Holy spirit told me you're supposed to play this song next week. <laughs> and I'm like, awesome. I talked to the Holy spirit too. And so tell me the song. <laughs> All you have to do is say, I'll pray for confirmation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. We're going to say the song on three. Ready? One, one two, two, three. three. <laughs> <laughs> like, so is it unreasonable? I think the answer is no. The request is not unreasonable. It's natural, but um, you know we're just like that. And what a, what a testimony in our own lives when our character is so trustworthy that when miraculous things happen and we say it, it adds that much more weight. Yeah, you know. Well, yeah, then but, I think that you get that 
where you talk about those stacking filters and lenses that the more, you know, authentic things that you can amass that then it starts to affect that where you're like, yeah, I believe that because I know this scripture, right. I know this fits. And like, you can see it through those lenses instead of saying, I know this is fake and this is fake and this is fake. Therefore you're fake. Yep. Yeah. So when we were talking about that, that doubting Thomas label gets assigned to Thomas in, in a sense in our culture. So I know that we talk a lot about, and like, I think that identity is a huge topic that, you know, a lot of people have preached about, you know, I think that it is probably a really pertinent issue for, you know, my generation, the generations younger than me. So we talk a lot about assigning labels to people. And we talk about that sometimes in a psychological sense. What does that do to us spiritually? Do you think where it's like, so I take on that label of, you know, doubting Thomas, maybe he told the, you know, maybe he was like, you guys are jerks and I'm, you know, like, right. but he, but if he starts going, yeah, you know, I was doubting Thomas. Like, what does that do to us spiritually? Yeah. Labels are powerful. Okay. Uh, so if someone lives their life with the label that I'm dumb, uh, I'm fat, um, I'm not, uh, I'm not any good. No one wants to be around me. Mm -hmm. It paralyzes them. It, it cripples them to do whatever it is that they would like to do. They just feel inadequate. Um, they're stuck in this place. The exact same thing is true spiritually. So in a spiritual sense, when uh, you get labeled a certain way, whether it's a physical label or a spiritual label, in the spiritual realm, you're paralyzed, you're crippled, and it keeps you from the true identity that you have in Christ, but it also keeps you from your true destiny in Christ. It keeps you from achieving the things that God wants you to achieve, and everyone else suffers from uh, because of that. So if, mm -hmm. if Jake heard over and over and over, you're a terrible guitar player, a terrible singer, uh, how did you ever become a worship leader? And that label of bad musician was placed on him. How easy do you think it would be for him to stand in front of people every week and do what he feels like God called him to do? Mm -hmm. It'd be near impossible, and eventually he would not do it. Right. And there are so many people... And now he's in rebellion to what God's called him yeah, to. Yeah, and so yeah. there are so many people. I mean, people that are watching this podcast, listening to the podcast, people who attend church, that there is a call on their life, that there's something that God has planned for them, but they're not pursuing it because of a label because of something in their past that keeps them stuck in their past. That's why it's so crucial to have that new identity, a fresh start, and not get stuck with some label that the enemy wants us to buy into because he wants to keep us from our true identity. And you shared with us a little bit on Sunday, um, like names that you were called, uh, things like that, labels you had to overcome. Uh, can you think of anything like that, Jake? Like something that you personally have said like, oh yeah, that was something that could have been spoken over me. Like, but I rejected that and was like, no, that's crazy. Like, that's not me. So it is, it's a, you know, I, some of the worst things, um, I called myself, you know, right. oh, yeah. from actions yep. I've done and, uh, you know, stuff in my youth that I am not proud of. Um, and so it's been, you know, it, it's, it's a unique thing to break from a nickname you've given yourself and a, a lie you've kind of let creep in that nobody ever spoke to you. Right. Um, but it, it, it's totally a Holy Spirit thing. We did not talk <laughs> before this. Uh, no, that was, that was actually one of the biggest things. When I was a sophomore in uh, high school, um, I, was in, I was in the select choir at our high school, and I tried out 
uh, for this like special, like end of the year thing where you could play, you know, I tried out with a band and my choir director came to me and he's like, Hey, you, you don't have a voice that should be by itself. And that I stopped other than like the fact I was in that class. I, I stopped playing guitar. I stopped for like a year of my life. I just kind of like imploded because I was like, Oh, I thought something I was heading towards. Mm -hmm. I thought it was going to become this. And, but that got spoke over me and I took it on as like, you know, my sister has this phenomenal voice and she was able to do all that stuff. And so I was just like, okay, I'm a mediocre, you know? And so looking back now and seeing way too long for this podcast, but seeing all the places that God was like, nope, nope, need you go here. Nope. And it's like, okay, you know, uh, it granted it, it, it helped keep me humble. It helped keep me remembering why I'm doing this. Um, but yeah, the fact that you yeah. mentioned that, like, no, thankfully no one says that here. And, uh, but it, it was a real part of my life, yeah. uh, coming yeah. up that I had to, to break through and realize that like my talent isn't what's leading people. Right. It's, um, it's the Holy spirit mm-hmm. in us and the identity that I have in him. Yeah. I even had a phone call last night where somebody called me and they were, they're in a situation that is clearly, I mean, like it is benevolent and it is, you know, altruistic. And they're going, man, I just had this nagging voice. That's like, this is going to blow up in your face. It's going to be bad. And he's, and the, he even said to me on the phone, I know this is not my thought. And I was like, dude, that is like when you said it's a lie from the yeah, enemy. Right. And like you said, even when God is speaking over you something, you have the ability to reject that and go, no, God, you're crazy. You don't know. Like, yep. you know, like as if God's not an expert on on the voice that he gave you, you know, right. in your destiny. And so like, I was just encouraging him, like, you got to treat this thing. Like it's an actual, I told him, cause he goes, it's just like this nagging toddler voice. And I'm like, well, treat it like that. You know, like, what would you say if you had some, <laughs> you know, four-year-old kid going, yeah, man, and you'd be like, you'd be like, I tell it to, you know, like yeah, sit quiet. down, shut yeah. up and go away. And you know, I'd be like, yep. okay, then just do that out loud. Yeah. Speak that over yourself. Every time you get this silent voice, nagging at yeah. you you need to speak out loud and say no i'm a child of god this is the what i'm supposed to be doing god's called me to this and then when you hear god speak that over to you be like i agree you know like yeah. i agree this is what's going I, on but so um we're running out of time final thought on doubting thomas what do you want people to know as they're going out through the 167 uh just about the being confined to the 3d world that god is not confined to that and if God was confined to that, he would be very limited, and he's not. And so if all of my problems could be resolved within the dimensions that I understand, I don't need God. Mm-hmm. right? But because it can't be resolved in a natural way, I need something supernatural and miraculous, and that's God's expertise. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thanks, guys, for being here. We'll see you guys next time. Join us next week on the 167. Hey, good to be here. Welcome back to the podcast, and we're here on Think Differently to talk about the book of Job. Uh, we like to challenge you here on Think Differently to take a look at the Bible about what things um, may have been, something that you've read or been told before uh, that you may have a misperception about. And so we've been diving into the book of Job and really talking and uh, taking note of kind of what most people go to the book of Job to answer is, why does a good God allow suffering? So many Christians, when they experience suffering, they want to look to the story of Job and I always say that this story, it does have that answer, but you're probably not going to like it. And so God answers us in a way that we may not really see coming. And so we've been taking a look at kind of the presuppositions about what the book of Job is built upon. So 
the idea was that the accuser, Satan, is kind of the DA of heaven. He's the accuser, he's the prosecutor, and he brings people's sins before God and he says, hey, this person does this and this and this, they're bad, they deserve suffering. And now that Jesus Christ has come in the New Testament, our rebuttal and our defense is that Christ comes and says, I have already served that sentence, therefore you cannot convict somebody and have them serve that sentence again. And so Christ marks us innocent because of his own blood and he served our sentence. And so you had this picture in the beginning that Satan is assembled before God trying these cases. And Satan says, the only reason I can't get some people is because you keep operating under this assumption that basically, you know, when they're making good choices, they get blessed by you because there are some promises in the Bible that God uh, promises you a blessing if you do certain things. Some of those things are supernatural blessings and some of those things are natural byproducts of, you know, if you save yourself until you get married and you only have sex with one person, you will never, there's a whole slew of things that you will never have to deal with in your marriage, certain diseases that you won't have to deal with. Um, you know, you'll never be wondering, um, if your partner had liked, um, things better with a different partner, you know, like you'll, you won't have to worry about those things. Some have natural blessings that are associated with them. And so, um, the accuser comes and he says, the only reason, um, that Job, is righteous. And the only reason that Job loves you is because you keep rewarding him for his good behavior. And God says, well, fine, then do whatever you want to him. And at first it's don't harm him. And so he loses his children. He loses his money. And his wife basically tells him, curse, I wish you were dead. He says, she says, curse God and die. This is your fault. And so he's going to lose his marriage. And so in the end, Job himself gets a disease. He has these boils on his skin. And so he ends up sitting in an ash heap and his three friends <laughs> come to tell him why, why they think uh, that he's going through this. But both Job's assumptions, because Job is talking to God and, and he's saying, God, will you please show up and tell me why this is un- so unfair? Why are you allowing this to happen to me? Which is usually our prayer is God show up and tell me why this is happening to me. It's unfair. It's, I think that I'm a good person, therefore I should get good things. And so all three of his friends are going to build different arguments, but they're all based on that same assumption. So, and that same assumption is um, kind of, if God is just, then a good God wouldn't be unfair. So we view justice as what our view of justice is or what our view of fair is, which is always distorted because, you know, you know it and I know it. We all think that we're good people. You know, even if you are a terrible person, you think that you're a good person. You think that your good outweighs your evil when in reality, it probably doesn't. So... We always look at it and we say, well, if God is just, then God would not be unfair. And so if something that we deem as unfair or unjust happens to us, which basically is any discomfort that we experience, we say, therefore, my suffering is either divine negligence or it's divine punishment. Either God is willfully punishing me or God is willfully negligent in my life for not preventing this. So we're going to see a number of arguments that is, you know, you must have done something wrong. You know, God wouldn't just do this just because, you know, and we see those same arguments with our friends. We come and we say, man, I'm experiencing this pain in my life. I'm experiencing this consequence in my life. And people will look at you and go, well, what are you doing? Right? It's like, did you deserve this? And so even though as Christ followers, we are forgiven and covered uh, by the blood of Jesus Christ, that somehow God is still holding a grudge against us. Like, Just think about that for a second. When we think that God is into divine punishment, we are literally saying that grace is meaningless here on earth. 
that sure, God has given us eternal life, but really God still holds a grudge. And so he's going to make you suffer while you're here on earth. And then someday you're going to get eternal life in heaven. And so all of those things make God cruel. You know, he, he's going to give you heaven, but he's going to punish you here while you're on earth. He's not going to help you out. So the conclusion of that would be that God runs the world according to justice and you have a secret sin or, you know, God doesn't run the world according to justice and he's mean and cruel. So a lot of times in the arguments of when it comes to suffering, this is the, you don't have enough faith argument. Okay. It's the, you know, well, you're not doing enough good things. You're, you have some secret sin in your life. You know, the reason that God's not providing a miracle for you is because your faith isn't strong enough. You're not a good Christian. You're not a good enough person. And therefore you experience suffering as if there is some level of Christianity that you can achieve that puts a protective bubble around you and God will not let things touch you. And I know that this is not a good argument to get into with a friend that's going through suffering because so many people come to me when they are suffering in that moment and say, you know, why is this happening to me? And you do not want to make this argument while someone is in suffering. But if you're asking for an intellectual argument, I always want to look at that person and go, what level of righteousness have you achieved that you think that God should follow you around and protect you from everything that this life has to offer? And the response that we get from that a lot of times is, um, you know, well, it shouldn't have been this. And then it's like, okay, well, if you could write down what it, where exactly that line is for you, that God has to intervene for you, like, then let, let God know, because I'm sure he does not reading your mind on that. Like, like what level of event in your life do you need to be protected from? But that is the perception of most Christians is that there is a line in the sand that if Somehow, if this something happens to you, then God doesn't love you or he's not involved in your life. He's either spiritually negligent or he is unjust. So it's just a really strange uh, kind of belief that we have as Christians that a lot of times is built from our emotional and not our intellectual thing. We do this to our kids too. You know, like we do it to our kids where we say, hey, I love you, but you're still grounded, right? And so... We can still think that, you know, that we're forgiven, but we're still going to be punished because that's the way that we treat our own kids, but that's not necessarily the way that God treats us. So both Job and his friends, they have arguments that drive people away from God, which is God needs to show up and answer me about why he did this in my life, or God is mean and he doesn't care about me, or God is here to remind you that you are a terrible person, that he's here to remind you and punish you that if you do bad things, that you're going to get bad things. So you're going to heaven, but here on earth, your life's going to be miserable and terrible. And either God's not going to intervene in those things, or even if you do the right thing, God's still going to curse you. He's still, he's not going to bless you. And none of those things are correct. And yet all of us in a time of emotion or a time of loss will probably have one of those thoughts injected into our brains. If you enjoyed this episode of The 167, make sure you like, subscribe, follow, get notified, leave a five-star rating and a positive review. Tell all your friends to listen as well. Make sure you go over to newlifegardener.com and check out all that we have to offer as a church and check out our messages online as well. Thanks for listening.